Louisa, I just want to say welcome to the show. Thank you for coming here. Um, there's going to be people who have heard the intro to this episode and uh, it's 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 going to be fantastic. But for those who maybe somehow skip past and they don't know who you are or what you do, how would you describe what you do? All right. Well, thank you for having me here. I am Louisa Joe. In maybe one sentence, I would say I run louisajoe.com, which is an online coaching and course platform to help people take their skills and grow them into their own online freedom business. I really love this for a variety of reasons. One of them being is you have built your own freedom business for yourself and having followed your story for so many years, I know you've architected your business to be able to spend time with family, to be able to take your family on vacations that they might not be able to go on otherwise, and to also be able to be uh, an amazing dog mom. Um, (laughs) So... You know, for those who are listening who don't know, um, she is a wonderful German shepherd uh, by the name of Falco. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. Awesome. I also grew up with a German shepherd, so they have a have soft spot uh, for them. Uh, amazingly loyal and fun and playful yeah. and all the things. Uh, question for you that I want to, like, just diving into the deep end is some of the people who are listening into this are very much in on the journey of architecting their own freedom businesses. And something that I really admire about what you've done is you lead with values and you then uh, architect this business that allows you to live life on your terms uh, in a way that's just really win-win for everyone. And even within that, uh, you've also evolved several lines of business. You know, you have the courses side of the business, but now there's also a service side of the business uh, that wasn't pre-existing. Uh, and then there's also like coaching and community. Could you tell us more about that and why you've also gone in the direction that you have? Yeah, I think the main driver for everything I evolve into is one that was I missing. Hmm. The way I see it is I'm trying to do something. I can't figure out how to do it or I can't find a service provider to help me. I figure it out. I want to share with everyone else. So we mentioned earlier, you know, my courses, every one of my courses is I only create a course when I feel like I have something unique to add. And so if I worked through how to do a webinar well and, you know, all the stuff I had tried didn't work for me. Okay, once I figure it out, I'm going to share with people how I did it. So I'm not gatekeeping so people don't have to go through what I did and can hopefully get to their end goal a little bit faster and smoother than I did. With the service side of the business, it was the same thing. As you know, traffic acquisition and growth is a a challenge or you know a, a main priority for most entrepreneurs and so i tested paid traffic i mean i built my business in the first few years on essentially paid traffic alone but there were some problems with that i didn't find it was scalable enough it didn't really feel good to be just be focused on creating new ads all the time costs were rising i mean a few issues there and so i started looking at what else can I do to acquire traffic? And this was back when everyone was only focused on Facebook ads. And so everyone was like, hey, you're you're crazy. Just do this. Um, 
But eventually what happened was I did my research and I landed on using SEO, creating really great content on your website, optimizing it to get found. And I connected with someone who is a brilliant at doing SEO in the coaching and course industry specifically. And so I hired her agency. Um, as time went on, you know, I added my expertise in terms of the conversion and the marketing piece to it as well. And so I said, hey, I would love to be able to share this with more people with my audience and help them solve this problem in the best way that I found for myself. Um, can I buy into the agency? And so it was it, every every one of these lines has been very natural, some sort of evolution similar to that. That is fascinating to me, not just for the strategic and then like technical expertise. And so that's embedded into those stories, uh, but also a why that is driving behind it that not a lot of people may know about. One of the recent rebrands uh, that we did after looking at the past 20 clients or so uh, that uh, we worked with um, here at 8020, I saw that basically the reason why many of the people that we're working with uh, were trying to grow their freedom businesses were so they could spend more time with their family. You know, like that's just a really, really, really important thing to them. And I would love to go back in time uh, to when you made a decision to re-engineer your business so that you could be there more with your family and why? I would say this is about maybe four to five years into the business. Um, as you know, but your your listeners might not, so I'm going to share. The first about four to five years of my business, my model was essentially one big live launch a year and it drove close to seven figures it kind of fueled the rest of the year and really grew my audience rapidly in just a few months. Mm. And, you know, that was really good. But the problem was it was really high risk, high reward. Everything revolved around that one launch succeeding. If that didn't do well, 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 oh, we weren't going to launch again until next year. So it was really high stress. We spent a lot of time preparing for it and leading up to it during it. I was really just completely focused on doing the best I could with that. And yeah, after a few years, in the beginning, it was really awesome. I loved a lot of pieces of it, but I just knew it wasn't sustainable for something that I could do for the rest of my life every single year. Because what if something happened in the half a year that I was preparing for it and then running, you know? And so at that point, I had to say, okay, I need to be able to do something else where, you know, we're able to grow day by day. And it might not be the high energy, high excitement, but it's more consistent. And it gives me more ability to step back when I need and to spend time with whomever I need to spend time with. I, one of the stories I remember, you know, um, it, it was just really, really beautiful, you know, with, you know, like you had multiple uh, family members like fall sick, you know, like in, I think like the same year. And I remember yes. that just being like, just this moment where you were like, Ooh, you know, I, I need to change things. I, I, I want to be there, you know, with my family, you know, God forbid, you know, something like that were to happen in the future. And I've also seen you uh, just uh, go on these amazing uh, vacations uh, with your family uh, as well. You know, and I, I think it's, it's, you know, if you're comfortable sharing more around that, I could absolutely see how just even some people I've spoken with in the last week would be so inspired 
uh, to hear that story. Yes, I'm absolutely happy to share. So, I mean, there are a few things that are coming up around this. The first is actually the timing is really interesting because I'm living it right now. Um, so for a little bit of context, I live in New York City and there are some really great doctors here that I'm familiar with that my sister who also lives nearby is familiar with. And we recently flew my dad up. He's in, in Texas with my mom to be able to see those doctors because we just think they're better than some of the ones we were seeing in in Texas. I'll just leave it at that. And he he and my mom flew up mid last week and we were just going to do a few days, have him do the checkup and have them fly home. But what happened was the doctor said, hey, I'd like to keep you for some follow ups. Why don't you come back in about a week? And that's going to be a whole day checkup so that we can create this really great long term plan for you. And we had to just extend the hotel, push back the flights and be able to do all of that. And, you know, this is actually uh, this was a full circle moment for me because I remember sitting there and thinking this is why I was so motivated to start my business so that when stuff like this happens, I've got the freedom, I've got the financial ability to to be there for my parents um, because they recently retired. You know, they New York is expensive. Let's let's leave it at that. And so, not only that, but you know, we I stayed every day last week with them, and now they're like ten minutes drive from me. Oh. And so every afternoon, I'm able to go and hang out with them until the evening, and just spend that time with them and so all of that is is really precious to me and like you said uh when you saw for a lot of the people you work with at the end of the day i think out of all the beautiful memories we've created all of which i'm grateful for this is the kind of stuff that just is the most important to me honestly um for so many reasons that really resonates with me because uh just in the last i would say like six to eight weeks or so i uh immigrated my parents to the united states you know and it's it's lifestyle you know life um like like lifetime uh, milestone and one of the underlying reasons for that is i just know that just as far as availability of specialists for anything in the united states so you know if you have the financial means to pay for it at least you can get access to it. Um, we are from Jamaica and even if you've got the best specialist qualified, just, uh, availability of that person relative to the demand for their services, uh, could just limit, uh, your access to them and expand the timeline of how long it takes to get the care that you need when time is the thing that you have the least of. Yes. In those moments. Thank you for pointing that. Yeah, that's so key. And, you know, that was, I was circling around that. I didn't even realize to really point it out. So thank you for clarifying. That's exactly what was going on. My dad yeah. had this situation where it was very time sensitive. That mm -hmm. part of the reason we had him come up to New York as well, because they're just a little bit more efficient, I feel like, up here. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the doctor fit him in, like we just talked about, within a week. Mm -hmm. And... You know, this is one of those issues where it's related to his eyesight and glaucoma, and it's been sitting around for a while. And so the doctor was like, "I really don't want to wait." Yep. 
Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, 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 yeah. Like, I don't think there's even any exposition <laughs> to do there. You know, it just is, you know, it's like, you want to, you want to get the people that you care about the healthcare that they need when they need it, period, you know, and you know, that, that, that's if, if not to use all the money and uh, time, flexibility and freedom to be able to do that, then, then for what, you know, and I want to then use that as a segue back into some of these strategies, you know, that you have uh, implemented uh, business strategies over the years, because many of the people listening in uh, fall within uh, what I call consultants uh, or consultant adjacent. They are typically service providers and they do excellent work one-on-one and they're trying to think of how do I leverage my time? How do I increase profitability for all of these reasons that we have been speaking about into different formats? And that might be the format of a course. It might be the format, you know, of a VIP day, a workshop, or, you know, how do I get my expertise out of my head into a format so that I can help people in a high quality way? In your experience, because I also know that you have a mastermind where you work with people closely, you know, one-on-one and everything like that. What is it that seems to be, have you noticed any patterns in what holds people back from taking the leap to up-level their business model? It's hard. There are some really big barriers. So the first is when you're all, so much of your time is spent on providing a service and running the business, anytime you got to take away from that to build the asset, like the course that's going to drive sales to the future means you got to sacrifice sales now. Mm. And for a lot of people, that's not feasible because they've got responsibilities, family and bills. And so it's it's a, a fine lie. I know for me, the one of the reasons I was able to do it was, again, going back to pros and cons of everything, that when I was running my big launches, work really hard for a few months, have the revenue come in for the rest of the year via payment plans or just a big chunk of cash, which then I would use. And that bought me a lot of time to work on my course outside of it. One other area that's related to just thinking through what delivery format uh, we should put our expertise into is the feeding of the beast, so to speak, you know, lead generation, marketing. Uh, you have built systems around uh, organic uh, lead generation. Like I, I just double checked on your YouTube channel just even this week, and I saw like you had like a cadence of about like one new piece coming out uh, per week. And for the people who are thinking about the content marketing piece and uh, lead generation, is organic lead gen a viable strategy? YouTube specifically. So I think YouTube has a really beautiful place specifically because it is, I think, the best place for long form content that allows you to really get to know the creator. For example, writing articles on your blog, it drives infinitely more traffic for uh, the business than the YouTube channel does right now. Now that might change in the future because there's a lot of potential, but it's been that way for quite a while. That being said, there's only so much you can get from an article that is text only that has also been optimized for search. So it's not able to have that much personality Mm -hmm. as I can deliver via YouTube. Mm -hmm. Also, YouTube is a social media platform. So the content that 
really gets the most engagement and growth is more personal, right? It's more social. And so there's more room for you to tell your stories and to share your personality and connect with people. Now, that being said, I do think the, the so, okay, let me take a step back. And in the context of, I'm all about doing things. There are many things I will not do. For example, my Instagram, it's kind of on and off, to be honest. I've played with different formats over the years and I love checking Instagram. But if I personally have to do something, which right now I do not have a social media manager for Instagram, a lot of the time I might not do it because I only have a few to-dos that I absolutely hold as non-negotiable every day or every week. Like you mentioned, a weekly YouTube video and a daily newsletter. That's pretty much the only things I will commit to for myself. To be clear, I do have other people doing other stuff, uh, but that's you know something that you can build as well. And so, uh, t- let me. Sorry, go, uh, did you want to? Oh no! Please, please go ahead. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to miss any uh, any other sauce. I'm being a little bit long-winded, but you're just asking such a great question. So to basically bring it back to, is it this sustainable, uh, build-upable kind of system? Absolutely. So mm. the key is you do have to have you know a conversion system, a, a good product. You have to be neat decent with your direct marketing skills. And those did take a long time to build. But assuming that, which I know is a big assumption, but I want to kind of share the possibility is that for us, so once I started with SEO, which was from scratch, because before that, all our traffic was from paid traffic, which does nothing for your authority on search. It took us two years to go from zero to multiple six figures in sales. Um, and for most of that time, the agency was publishing just one blog post a month. So they were really focusing on doing the best, building backlinks, building the authority, and then letting the backend version do the rest. Now, mm-hmm. since then, we've continued to grow uh, year over year. I was actually just talking to my agency uh, right before this call. Our traffic has grown by double. Nice. And the, the YouTube actually supplements it because we're able to show our personality by embedding videos and add that personal connection piece that the search piece is sometimes missing. That is really cool for multiple reasons. I love that you like mentioned the timeline to making six figures in revenue uh, from that channel. Uh, do you, by any chance, know off the top of your head? I know there's some more metrics-driven people who will listen in and will be watching in. How many subscribers, uh, for instance, did you have when you got to the uh, six-figure mark? So total subscribers, I had, I think around that time, over 50,000. I don't remember the exact number, but I want to clarify, and I'm just sharing that for full transparency. I want to clarify, when I say zero to multiple six figures, that is from SEO alone. So none of my existing assets, like we're not including any um, and so during that time, um, you know, again, we started from scratch and, you know, the first few months were so slow. It's like 100, 200 subscribers total per month. I believe around by the end of like that two year period, it was growing consistently every month because we really focused on that. We were getting maybe a thousand subscribers a month around there. Mm. Okay. Thousand subscribers a month, uh, YouTube and then two years to getting to uh, over multiple six figures from YouTube as a channel from source. As, from search. From search, from search, not YouTube. Yes. I'm also, so this to me personally is really interesting uh, because 
folks listening in might not know that your background in marketing was actually paid advertising off Facebook mm-hmm. ads specifically, and yes. you pivoted uh, to organic, um, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and could you tell us more about why and how you thought through that decision? Yes. So a couple of reasons. First, I just have this habit where I don't like doing what everyone else is doing. Um and when I first started using Facebook ads, you know, a lot of people were using it, but it was still relatively fresh and it was interesting. It wasn't everyone doing the same thing. A few years later, when it really exploded, it just felt like every day you were getting the same ads, same type of ads. And you could see the comments from people to like yet another one of these. And that just didn't feel good to me mm-hmm. um, in terms of how I wa- what I wanted to be doing in my business. The other thing was at the scale that we were spending at, there were some months where we would spend five, six figures. We burned out on ads really quickly. So we had to constantly create new ad angles. And I felt like I was spending so much time just brainstorming ad ideas, and video uh, recording ads and things like that. Um, even though I had an agency, like if you're the face of your brand, you got to sit down and record those videos yourself. You got to give feedback on things. And that wasn't... Wh- what I wanted to be doing with my time. Um, then there were the tap or the technical aspects where costs were rising. And this is, I mean, this is how it goes for every ad platform. You have the beginning, costs are cheap. As it grows and becomes more successful, ad costs increase. And so it really felt like a lot of things are coming together to create a write, some writing on the wall. I'm not saying you can't do ads profitably nowadays. You absolutely can. But we were hitting like we were able to only scale so much beyond that we were seeing a decrease in return and I wanted to scale further mm-hmm. plus all the things that we talked about plus I saw that the ad costs were increasing and so instead of spending more time thinking about all right how do I improve conversions how do I add more pieces to make the funnel more profitable I said you know what let me just see what other options there are out there because my time I'd rather be focused on creating things that feel fun and fresh and valuable to me versus the same kind of stuff over and over and over. Mm, That is clarifying. Follow-up question to that is, what does the current split look like as far as your investments into paid versus search versus uh, social, for instance? Yes. So right now, as of now, we are not running any paid traffic. We have over the past few years from time to time. But every time it just feels like, you know, I'll I'll get inspired. I'll run some ads, get a new ad idea. Then we'll run it. I'll be like, okay, yeah, hitting a ceiling. You know, I don't want to be spending all my time. Uh, Same problems. And also, I feel like Facebook is so strict with their ad accounts and what they approve or not. It gets really tiring appealing and talking to ad managers all the time, right? Hey guys, here's the history, here's everything. And so after all, I'll be like, okay, you know what? Yep, good try, ready to focus on other things. Hmm. Um, so if that's on and off, I might once again do that down the road. I don't wanna uh, you know, close that out again for full transparency, but the majority of my investment is in SEO and scaling the um, the content that we put out. So we're currently at a point. So I want to uh, remind everyone that for the first two years, um, plus actually more than that, we only put out one article a month. That was enough. We focused on really just building the authority. But now we're ready. We're scaling beyond that. And so we recently upped our content to 15 articles. Ah. 
I see. Yes. Yeah, so really doing that. And then now we're thinking about how do we do it better? How are we able to be search optimized while adding more personality, making the content even better, adding better design, just making even more high value mm-hmm. so that it creates a win for the readers and allows us to scale more, creating that win-win situation. I so the, sorry, go ahead, please. No, 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 please go ahead. The I've looked at even just the very organized structure uh, of your articles because my background getting into online marketing was an SEO. You know, my first website I grew to be seven hundred thousand uh, unique visitors by myself, and it, it was a whole lot of sleepless nights uh, <laughs> typing in a dorm room by myself. <laughs> Not very glamorous, but it got results. <laughs> that said, uh, I really appreciate whenever someone has a very strong strategy and structure, particularly on the SEO side of things, right down to the level of the blog articles. I've seen how keyword optimized and focused uh, your articles are within content pillars, uh, also embedding videos into them. And do you think of YouTube as a search, uh, sorry, as a SEO? Um Source or okay, okay. I do not. I I know a lot of people say YouTube experts, which I do not consider myself to be one. Say this is a common mistake because I did think that for the first few years I did YouTube. I actually had a team that would optimize every single video for me, and yeah, I think it probably helped me get a little bit of growth at the beginning. But there is a reason my first like three years on YouTube I couldn't even crack a few thousand. I cracked even five thousand, honestly. Right, and so what I did. was I said, okay, this is not working. And then I really went out and learned from actual YouTube experts on what actually drives content on YouTube and makes a good YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And it has very little to do with search. Okay. So then it sounds like if we were to, at the meta level, uh, look at your customer journey, it's like search is creates the awareness. People come in, they search for something, then they find out that you exist. They find one of your articles. And then from there, there might be some engagement that happens through YouTube videos. They get to know you better, so on and so forth. They also maybe then opt in to an email newsletter for a lead magnet of some sort. And then for the consideration through like decision uh, phases of the customer journey, then that's where emails and landing pages and workshops and uh, webinars and so might come in. Does, is that accurate? It is very accurate. The only note I want to add is for the longest time, YouTube was actually not a significant, a significant part of any of this. Only very recently did we realize, oh, people will sometimes, and this is not that often even now, see find me through search. And then see an embedded YouTube video, watch it, and maybe go to my YouTube channel. I see. So that is a very optional piece because that in of itself is a huge endeavor. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is clear. It's like figure out one channel first, then scale that, and then start to add to it, diversify, very much like diversifying a financial portfolio. It's like divert- diversifying a traffic portfolio uh, as well as what it's sounding like. And then that yeah. makes things more robust over time. Exactly. Okay. That is very cool and very much in line with everything that I know about you. (laughs) Engineering (laughs) systems that can last for a long time. I love it. Uh, For anyone that is listening in, uh, Louisa also has a background as a space engineer. So 
that's uh that's a fun little tidbit uh for just her uh wonderful engineering mind uh at work to that end we've spoken about the first half of the customer journey before they buy i'm curious now to talk a little bit about after they buy or right at the point of purchase how do you help people figure out which of your offerings are for them because you now have like this very robust suite you have within just the course line of business there are multiple courses for them to be able to choose from and then within like the coaching and like mentoring side of things there's options there and then there's also done for you services how do you help them figure it out how do you even know who's for what so my philosophy on this has evolved a lot over the years and where I am now is I, what I believe, and this could change in the future, is that people actually know more what they need than general marketing unwisdom will have you believe, right? If people know what result they want and people know what they want to learn. And so I, I play to that. My, I have three flagship programs that are on automated sales systems. And so they open for you depending on the interest that you show by signing up for a webinar. Those three are very specific and results oriented. So if I were to bring things back up a level to answer your question at the simplest way, it would be every course I teach is focused on a result so that it's very clear. Is this the result you're wanting right now? Then this is the course to help you. And so though my three flagships, for example, I've got one that teaches you how to build an online coaching business to go from employee to entrepreneur. I've got one that teaches you my launch methodology, which I still believe is the best way to start and launch a group program or course earlier on in your business. It adds by far the highest convergence and growth. And so I, I have a flagship that teaches that. And then I have a flagship, my newest one, which teaches the SEO system that I used with my agency to go from zero to multiple six figures in two years. So those are like, you're not going to confuse one for the other. You know, you're going to know what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. And then all my other courses, they are specific skills that I figured out over the years and felt like are really essential. But you get to, you, the customer gets to choose when and which one you want to learn. From. For example, I've got one that shares how I got my first 10,000 subscribers. I've got one that shares how I break down a webinar and am able to create a successful webinar, my methodology for that. I've got one that shows how I write a sales page. And so again, those are so clear, like, you know, do I want to write a sales page right now? Do I want to create a new webinar right now? All right. And so that's how I like to think like you were just talking about. I've got to make it clear and very clear. Yeah, that is very clear. It sounds like you have very specific topics and even projects that need to be completed. And it sounds like it's also at not in this, while it's called a course, it may be to the level of training where you can then produce a repeatable result and you can maybe hand it off to somebody that's on your team to be able to execute it in your stead, so on and so forth, is a part of what I'm inferring from what you're sharing. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely correct because that's how I think. So that's, you know, that's how I do most things. I, I, I know it's part of why we get along because, again, like my background's in environmental sciences, but it's it's an integrative discipline. And so we had to integrate science. There's a bit of tech. There's also a bit of engineering and there's also a bit of math. And so like a lot of my friends tend to fall in like one of like the STEM pillars, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. So I, I totally uh, respect and get that. The 
other thing that I would like to, the rabbit hole that I'd like to go down is that helps us to understand uh, how to how someone might select within the course uh, suite. But how do we know if we need coaching versus uh, mentorship versus uh, done for you services? I believe you know what you need. And sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error, which is is normal, but I don't think there's a better way to learn. Um, so for me, it took a little bit of trial and error to realize I'm not really a big group program type of consumer myself. I like to go straight just to hire the person, tell me exactly what I need to know. If I buy a course, I, I, st- I love courses. I'll buy a course. I'll go through what I need. I may or may not finish the whole thing. Same thing, same way I read And I'm, I'm moving on. So it took, it just takes a little while for you to find your personality. But in general, it's that, you know, someone's wanting coaching. They want more handholding, not in a bad way, just more one-on-one. They want faster, bigger results, or they just really are the kind of person who wants the VIP option. Mm. Done for you is specific to growing the, the audience and the traffic. And so if you're at a point in your business where you're starting to outsource You've got the the finances. You've got a basic system. You know, okay, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. Or I just maybe hate this part. I got everything else covered. Someone else do it. I can't even be bothered to think about it. And so I believe you know those things about yourself, most of the time consciously, maybe sometimes uh, unconsciously. But I, I, again, I think it just goes back to a lot of marketing wisdom tells us, like, you got to tell the customer and you got to make it super clear. Yes, you do. But at the same time, Customers are a lot more intuitive, hmm. you know, than we're led to think. And I think that actually is very much in line for everyone. Typically, consultants tend to serve uh, sophisticated audiences. It's a person who is looking for advice, expert counsel, yeah. basically. <laughs> and so yeah. it's you, there's a certain level of uh, respect that one has to have uh, for the person that is coming to ask for help. Uh, because they're also then identifying whether or not uh, you're able to, uh, whether or not you have the capability to even help or not. And so just that even line of critical thinking tends to lend to a more sophisticated audience. The I, I am curious, because I think your answer to this could be helpful for the consultants and consultant-adjacent folks who are thinking through this for themselves. You have applications for some of your higher ticket services how do you think through when that application comes through who gets accepted and who gets denied yes so the one caveat i want to mention to this first is that the majority of my revenue comes from my courses so i don't have to systematize my coaching programs as much which means i truly get to decide who i work with based on personal if the more my revenue or my business depended on selling coaching, I would probably do things differently. So that's a really big caveat. But the way I do it now is I only have a handful of spots available for coaching a year. And if even because a lot of my clients renew, and so I might take on maybe one or two new clients in a year, and sometimes more, but anyways. So I see an application come through and it truly is an application. Sometimes people don't believe it because I, I know there's a lot of marketing advice out there that says make yourself seem exclusive and say application when it's not really. 
No, it really is. And there have been times, many, when I've reviewed an application, I've figured out this person is not a good fit. And to answer your question specifically, I look for, um, part of it is intuitive because at this point, I've actually personally worked through my group programs and individual um, coaching with over a thousand people. And so I have a good feel for, okay, what kind of personality I work well with, uh, what kind of traits are going to be make you coachable or mean you're coachable. And there's just a, I'll look at someone's kind of social profile and get a sense for who they are. And hey, do I think we get along? Mm-hmm. So it's part, part science, part art, the science part being, I do look at, for example, it, what kind of goals are you wanting to set? Do you have a history of success elsewhere? Where is your current business revenue at? And all the things that you're looking to learn from me. And so combining those two, I will, it's, you know, very obvious to see, okay, yeah, I think I can help this person. I think I would love to work with them. All right, let me have this conversation with them about moving forward. Or sometimes I'll just say, hey, write your application if you're ready. Um, I have time, you know, in a few months, happy to book that call now. And then that being said, a lot of people are not a good fit. And so back to what I was saying before to close that story, I've had people say, wait, you don't want my money? Um, what? <laughs> I, I can't believe it. You're actually choosing who you work with uh, because they, you know, have seen a lot of fake applications. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, yes, it's truly an application. And I decide based on really kind of my my intuition and my gut, I guess. Like, hey, is this going to be good for both of us or is it not? It sounds like there might be both a capability assessment that might be happening uh, at, you know, to see if someone has the capability to be able to accomplish the goal that they might have within whichever space of time within the areas of uh, specialty uh, that you have within your courses, as well as coaching, as well as mentorship programs. It also sounds like there might be a bit of uh, values alignment assessment that might be happening that we can like pick up on. When we look at someone's social profiles and such, you know, it's like, okay, do we value the same things? Because if we value the same things, then there's just going to be uh, little to no pushback on any strategies because within that are embedded preferences and uh, uh, implicit trust um, as well, uh, which I think is really cool. I did. You said, (laughs) thank you for that. Um, You know, that's the, I love that you mentioned the last point because I was going to add that that trust piece is huge. Normally, if I take on a client for coaching, I look for the fact that they have been reading my content, know me, who I am for at least a while. So it's not someone finding me randomly off the internet, which does happen more than you would believe. And mm-hmm. you know, they're ready to buy high-end coaching from you. Because in that case, even if they buy, they don't trust you enough to take your advice, in which case it's just going to be a bad relationship. <laughs> or Ooh, I want to dive back into the business model conversation because this this is getting good. How, if someone were listening in, a consultant were listening in, and they're thinking about the next evolution of their business model, how do they decide if it's time to launch a course, a higher ticket program, a mastermind, uh, or even to double down on their uh, one-on-one services? I think it just goes back to what's the goal, right? What is the ultimate goal that you're trying to work towards? And what is the next goal? Because for some people, if you have a certain number of one-on-ones, your next goal, even if your ultimate goal is to build a freedom business, your next goal might be, I need to double my revenue right now. In which case, you're 
Fed spend is most likely to increase your prices and you know your your delivery to be able to match that versus taking the time to create a leveraged product and then figure out how to sell it. Yep. So that's what I would look at. But let's say you're at a point where you are ready to create some sort of leveraged offering. Then I would look at, okay, what's the long-term goal? Do you want to sell in a group capacity? Do you want to sell kind of group workshops? Or do you want to have something that is fully self-study as a course? Because how do you see your business five, 10 years from now? And for a lot of people, it's that last option because they really want the option to be able to make sales without being involved. In which case, then I would sit down and think through, okay, do I? how do I get there? Do I first sell it as some sort of group offering so that I can still give feedback and provide value and learn to teach, which is a huge skill in of itself, mm-hmm. and make some sales? Because you can still do sales calls and sell the way you know how through a group offering and then get the learnings from that and then evolve it into a full self-study course. Mm-hmm. That's really one of the most common ways that I've seen work really well and also bridge that gap between having enough time to create a good product because it gives you more time, but also brings in revenue in between. That is really, really, really cool. I have like maybe four more questions because I want to be respectful of your time. You've been uh, so generous uh, with everything that you're sharing. But oh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're going to need to do another one of these at some point in the future. Like I'm, I'm just calling it right here, right now. Uh, Are you sure? Yes. Uh, so the next question is around values. This is something that I have respected about you for a long time. You are very intentional about discerning what your values are and then living a life that's in alignment with that. For someone who might be still getting, getting their feet wet with doing that, what have you found for yourself to be helpful with just getting clear on what your values are and then aligning your business? Uh, to be a reflection of that as well. This is really popular piece of advice that has stuck with me, stuck with me and really shaped how I think about this. And it's that if what you are doing or saying was shown on the front cover of the New York Times, would you feel proud of it? And I think that has really guided every single thing. Can it see the light, right? Because if you feel fully proud of standing behind whatever has happened and it's fully in the light and you've can stand behind it and feel good about it no matter what other people are saying then that's that's the right thing for you and i think that like in the beginning i was that prayer on you know what my values are what do i stand behind because i think those things take time for you to figure out for yourself but every time it came to a decision point i would ask myself that question and it would just be so clear Mm. nice and uh, amazingly well said uh, the next question uh, is, might be a very difficult one for you, and so I just want—I just want to give you a bit of prep on it. If you were stuck on a desert island with one dessert for one week, <laughs> what would you choose? Why? Oh my gosh, that is hard. As you know, I, for everyone else's context, I love dessert so much. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I know you said just one. So I'm going to tell you my one answer. All right. If, you know, if like for some reason we lived in a world where we didn't gain weight and didn't feel heavy, like only there's got to be some survival here. You know, you don't want to get too fat so you can't run away from wild animals. But she's been a Jerry's fish food. And she's my go-to. I don't know 
know why. Like, <laughs> I love how specific that was. That was great. <laughs> yes. To answer your question, just taking everything into account, I've been really into. Have you heard of the brand Yasso? No. Okay, so they make, I don't know if it's like frozen yogurt, but it tastes like healthy ice cream. Like not looking mm. bad, but like it, yeah, and it leaves you feeling like not super heavy. Like after you eat a pint of Ben and Jerry. I gotta look at this um, right now. Yeah. How do you spell that? Y A S S O. Okay. And I specifically like their mint and chocolate chip popsicle. Okay. So okay, I, I see, I see, I see, I see the product. This looks, yeah, okay, all right, cool. I'm into it. Uh, huh, Pat, thank you. Um, yeah. Now what I'm gonna be um, jamming on later? Okay. Oh my gosh, let me know. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This 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 looks really good. Okay, this I will be honest with you was a lead up to a more difficult question. All right, I, I'm prepared. If you had to choose between chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal raisin cookies. Which one and why? Okay. You know what? This is hard because the good oatmeal raisin cookie is amazing. You know, I don't know if you're, if you had these when you were a kid, you know, there's like, I don't know, like those individual oatmeal raisin cookies that came in like those plastic packs and each one, I had those for lunch as dessert. And so I have very fond memories of those. So full uh-huh. Yes. No, yes. No, see, I bought, I know I'm kidding, but I mean, these are important questions. Okay. All right. Um, but I just feel like a chocolate chip cookie, a good one, hits the spot every time. And so I would say chocolate chip. Okay. Chocolate chip. Uh, the, the, the podcast guests are split. It's like 80% chocolate chip, 20% oatmeal raisin. Like it's, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. There is never an in between. No one's like both ever, ever, ever. It's like just like you, you're one or the other. There's 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 no yeah. in between. Uh, yeah. Question: uh, If you had to go back in time to give Louisa advice when you were getting ready to leave full time employment, go into the world of entrepreneurship, what advice would you give yourself, knowing everything that you know now? Yeah. The one piece of advice I would give myself is actually maybe surprising, maybe not. I would tell myself to enjoy corporate as much as I could. Wow. You know, because at my, I didn't, it wasn't always this way, but at my last job, I loved the environment. I loved my coworkers. It was at like a startup that had recently gone public. So it had a little bit of the best of all worlds, amazing free food. Mm. It was just really fun. I would tell myself just to enjoy the memories and the, the atmosphere and the group and the people as much as I could. I still really cherish those memories. Mm. That That is really timeless advice because it brings us back to being able to appreciate the present moment, uh, even if we're seeking uh, to change it. I, I really quite like that. Uh, it's something that I've been trying to practice more of myself. And so like that, that resonates, you know, it's like, enjoy the season of life that you're in, you know, that's that's cool. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to share all of this uh, with us. I can't wait uh, to get into like the editing studio to get this out to people because I know it's going to be very helpful uh, for a lot of people. And final question is, where can we find out more about you? 
Yeah. My website is super simple. It's my name. I'm going to spell it because it's not spelled how it sounds. My name or my website is LuisaJo.com. But and and it's spelled L U I S A Z as in zebra H O U dot com. So you you go there, you'll find some free awesome trainings you can sign up for. If you do, you'll be on my email list, get awesome emails from me, and then from there you can find my YouTube channel and my Instagram all under the same name. Okay, love it. Thank you so much for international listeners. Z as in zebra, uh, and that's the thing. <laughs> hey thanks for checking out the show if you liked it go ahead and hit the like button and also subscribe so you don't miss another one it also tells us which ones that you like the most so that we can then do more interviews like that if you want to go from idea to implementation though especially if you're wanting to productize your expertise so that you can scale your impact on your clients and of course grow your business then join our email list. There we're gonna talk about how modern consultants can productize their expertise so that they can have a greater impact on the world around them and live life on their terms. If that's up your alley, I hope to see you on the other side. Talk soon.